Hello, everybody, and welcome to Take the Stage Opera Podcast. Our guests today can do it all. They are entrepreneurs, singers, and they live life by their own rules. They remind us powerfully that there are no gatekeepers anymore in this singing career, and even a global pandemic can't stop them from growing and progressing. They are the hosts of my so-called Opera Life podcast, and we are excited to share their wealth of knowledge with you today. Is everyone saying no to your singing career? Well, we here at Take the Stage Opera Podcast say toy, toy, toy. Find out what is holding you back so you can stop waiting in the wings and go out and get your standing ovation. There are no forbidden topics here, so get your ticket and find your seat. In Boca Lupo. So Mariah has been staying at her house for a while, as some of you know, and she recently got a package of this green stuff. And I thought that she was rolling doobies at my house. <laughs> I was interested. So okay, tell us. well, first of all, Evan, I pay you rent. I'm not just staying at your house. <laughs> I rent a room She's from you. She's the hobo that lives in my basement. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got this stuff. It's called Mugwort. And it's supposed to give you, like, really crazy hallucinogenic dreams. So Evan and I tried it for the first time last night. Evan had... No dreams. No dreams. And I had a dream that I was on a roller coaster, so that was really fun. Yeah, it was it was exciting. But no doobies, right? No, well, not from that. <laughs> Fine. Fine. <laughs> well, we are so excited today. We're going to introduce two guests to you today, not just one. Yeah. We have Marcel McGurk and Elise Mark from the po- podcast My So-Called Opera Life. And it was actually the first um, opera podcast that I'd ever listened to. Really? Yeah. And, awesome. Um, they're just really fun to talk to and um, have a wealth of experience from their interviews and, and different things. So yes. we're excited to have them. They talk a lot about kind of the nuts and bolts of what an opera career slash lifestyle looks like. And, Which is um, so cool. Yeah. And so let's let's start with Marcel. Hi. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. Could you tell us a little bit about your podcast? And then we'll also obviously introduce Elise as well. Yeah, sure. Sure. So our podcast, you kind of summed it up pretty well. I mean, it's kind of like a lifestyle entrepreneur podcast for specifically the operatic community. Um, we, Elise and I kind of had the idea for the podcast separately at the same time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so it was a funny thing. Like she, I was running the Philadelphia chapter of Opera on Tap at the time. She had just joined the roster. We got talking after her first show and Elise, you know, being a go the go to getter that she is was like we should get coffee. I have some ideas. I think we would have. I had just moved about. to Philly. I had just I moved to Philly that. from New York, and I was like, like wanted to get involved. Yes. You know, yeah. yeah. So we went for coffee, and in the course of that conversation, she was like, "I have this idea for a podcast," and I was like, "I have a podcast idea too." Like, what is it? <laughs> and kind of it was the same thing that like both of us were you know, feeling really frustrated and a little bit stuck with where we were, but sure. mostly with 
the industry where we were feeling really frustrated about how it seems like every singer who graduates from university has to essentially reinvent the wheel for how to get their promo materials together, how to deal with audition stress. Like there's no real resources like readily available. And so we were just like, let's be that resource. Like, Mm. and kind of try to like, hack other people's ways of making it in the meantime like we can learn from the people we're going to interview but also like how do we make start to build a community and just help other young singers kind of find the way and find it a little more easily so they can spend more time singing and less time worrying about silly things like is my audition dress too short yes oh my gosh that reminds me in our very first episode we interviewed jill grove and she said that you need to be the person that you need in the world you know Mm -hmm. like and i think that's so ingenious to think wow i need a community well let's start a community right yeah right yeah for me it was really a lot about the community and about like um you know i spent a year in new york like just being able to work on singing as much as I possibly could and I met a lot of singers in that year and I also like realized that so many of them were so talented and we were all kind of stuck in this like kind of like a vicious cycle in a way Mm. of um of auditioning and like not really sure if what gigs are the right gigs to take and doing things for no pay but like kind of being ashamed of it you know and I was like, we are all good. Like, you are amazing. Don't be upset that you haven't gotten where you thought you would be. Like, none of us have. There's got to be yes. something to this story, you know? <laughs> like, right. <laughs> you're not dumb. I'm not dumb. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> We're all working hard. We're doing all the things that we should be. So, And yeah. so you decided to change the scene and go to Philadelphia. Yes, I um. I decided to go to Philadelphia. My boyfriend got a really good job in the area, and um, his family's from uh, central Pennsylvania. So for us, Philadelphia is a really nice middle ground because my family's from New York. And so many singers there. Yes, so many singers. It's easy to get to all the different cities up here. Mm -hmm. I love it. And it's affordable, much more affordable than New York. I love Philadelphia, too. (laughs) And then that's kind of what brought you two together is running into each other yeah Philadelphia. yeah yeah and uh, we found out that we were neighbors we like live, literally oh, wow. live like a half a mile away from each other oh my gosh <laughs> that's awesome marcel do you still run um opera on tap in philadelphia i actually um over the summer gave up my co-managing oh. diva title um and passed it <laughs> off to two other singers so i could move on to some other projects cool. of my own yeah that's awesome but that's i did really i awesome. did kind of like get the chapter really off the ground for the three years I think I was running it wow um yeah so got a little following going and then uh gave it to two sopranos who really really had some cool ideas and I was like go for it (laughs) wow yes live your dreams (laughs) (laughs) so can you tell us a little bit we want to talk about COVID, obviously, that's kind of what we are all thinking about. But we also want to learn a little bit about podcasting and your experiences and what you have learned and any, you know, epiphanies that you've had. So my biggest thing that I learned is that everyone pretty much knows the same as what you know. (laughs) Everyone... um, 
everyone takes a leap for before they get to success. And I think that a lot of times in this business, we think that we just have to know a little bit more before we yeah. do X, Y, or Z. And wow. all the people that we've met on this podcast, they, they either found something they loved. I mean, they found something they loved, basically, and they did it. And they... They found something they were passionate about and they were like, I have to do this. They didn't ask anyone for permission about that. <laughs> and they weren't like smarter than you or, right. yes. you know, they're just like other normal people just like you. Yeah. I love hearing that because my whole life I felt like I've had to ask for permission for things. And in the past couple of years, I've been like, stop that. <laughs> like, stop asking for permission. Just go out and do those things. Yeah. So it's good to just hear that. That's what you have to do. You just have to go out and do it. And it's okay. It's okay to not ask permission. It's especially true in operatic culture, like for singers, because your voice doesn't mature until you're older. Sure. And, and like, you know, like you have a voice teacher that tells you like what is good for your voice. And not that anyone has your a bad, you know, your interest, like bad interest right. for you, but like you forget sometimes like it's my voice mm-hmm. <laughs> right right we hand over we hand over a lot of power um you know which has kind of been a thing we've learned a lot in the, our interviews this past season was that was kind of a like a running theme it seemed of just you know industry-wide people recognizing even just like the way that auditions are done mm-hmm. means that we hand over so much of our own power to other people and it puts us in this position of like feeling like we need to wait for somebody to say yes before we can say yes to ourselves. Mm. Um, you know, and the opposite is really true. Like if we don't say yes to ourselves first, if we're not ourselves first champion, no one else is going to yeah. do it for us. How Absolutely. often do we like envision a gatekeeper standing there that's like, you get to sing and you don't get to sing and you get to sing and you, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. who decided that? Who decided that? someone else gets to decide whether I sing or not. Right. 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 Or that, like, my voice is worth listening to. Yeah, You know? Um, Right. At the end of the day, like, yes, beautiful singing is important and technique is important. But if you don't have something to say, what's the point? And if you have something to say, do whatever you can to practice that kind of communication. Because that's what sets you apart as an artist is that you, you walk into a room and you have something really like impactful and um, what is the word I want? Like you're very intentional. Mm-hmm. That intentionality is what sets the really great singers apart from the people who can just mm-hmm. sing well. Mm-hmm. And you get to decide where you use that gift if you start your mm-hmm. your own little chapter of opera on taps and you do your thing. Or you organize a recital or you, mm-hmm. you know. For sure. Or Definitely. if you want to start a podcast, if that feels yeah. like <laughs> something that's important to you or whatever, yes. you know. Mm-hmm. Totally. So let, should we shift over and talk a little bit about COVID? How has that impacted you as singers? And then has that shifted what you do as podcasters as well? We both went under underwent uh, very, I think, I think a lot of changes since the pandemic started um, professionally and, and through this podcast and even just through your friendships, like our friends mm-hmm. are singers, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, so it's been, it's been hard, but we both have some positive, I think, 
things that came out of it. So I, I started um, a new business, um, New Groove Music Studio, and our studio trains young teachers how to be teaching artists, how to be performers and oh, teachers. Cool. And we also teach our students through that studio. So Kathy and I, um, Kathy's the person I started this with, who's also a singer, and she, um, she and I were teaching but wanted to get some you know get a community for our teachers to be able to work together so that's that's the thing that came out of this for me that's been really amazing yeah that is really amazing can I just say that singers are so inspiring to me because we I feel like artists were kind of the bottom of this totem pole and not really always appreciated for our efforts but we are entrepreneurs we have to be Mm-hmm. If we're going to survive, we adapt and we thrive and we get things done. And you're like, oh, yeah, I just I changed my whole podcast season and then I started a business. And then it's like <laughs> we, we don't go down just like right a pandemic, right. whatever. We can do this. We'll figure out something. And <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no, that's it's so true. So Marcel, tell us a little bit about your journey and how how it's affected you vocally and professionally and Yeah, I mean vocally I mean vocally it really impacted me. I mean, I and I can't even say that it was COVID specifically. Um but I think COVID um intersecting with a lot of the um tensions this summer around sure. like the murder of George Floyd and then mm-hmm. all the, you know, social unrest as we mm-hmm. were kind of like getting out in the streets and saying enough is enough. Um, you know, and so for me, it was interesting because like that, all of that anxiety and I'm, I'm a very, like a highly sensitive person. And so like, as I was really truly beginning my journey kind of starting to unpack the ways in which white supremacy has functioned in my life. And I'm half Puerto Rican. And so like I for a long time just kind of gave myself a pass on mm. dealing like talking about race. I'm not racist. I'm Hispanic, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but like as I, you know, watched things happen like literally outside of my house. Wow. Um you know, like traumatic, traumatic things around this and then started really confronting um, kind of my own in- internalized racism. Um, there was a lot of like shame with mm-hmm. m- for myself, but then also a lot of pain as I started to recognize that like organizations that I mm-hmm. loved and had honored were really complicit in some really terrible things. Um, and so kind of all of that pain and shame just compounded and I, I, I lost my voice. I lost my singing voice for about five months, I would say. Wow. It was like June through June through December, really. Um, and uh, but in so and so in the process of that, like losing my coping mechanism mm-hmm. <laughs> and losing mm-hmm. essentially a huge part of my identity, because, you know, as singers, we do we wrap up so much of our mm. identity in our voice and in how that's my primary means of communicating to the world. Right. Um, you know, and so for me, it, it really forced me to have to look at how can I feel like I'm being seen and heard if I can't sing? Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm alone. And if I'm alone, right. And, um, 
you know, so for me, what that has meant is that I, I really started to dig into, um, you know, I'm, I'm also Catholic. Um, it's an organization with which I have a very complicated relationship. Um, and I realized like, you know, the way the opera world is structured right now, there's really not a, a really good way to intersect my activism and my singing mm. in the, in the established industry. Um, but beyond that, like in my own faith, I see like there's tools within the Catholic church in order to, to deal with some of this stuff mm. if we know how to use them. Um, and so I've started working with an advocacy group to do anti-racism work in the Catholic church as my kind of parallel career, which was an idea that I have, I had pushed myself away from for a long time. I was like, I don't, I just want to be a singer. I just want to be a yeah. singer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's led to some really interesting doors opening, um, but then it kind of just helped me really drill down into like, why do I sing? Mm. And what is it that I want to do with my music and my singing? Um, and it, for me, it's really like being a catalyst for change. And so for me, it's meant that then beyond that, I'm in the process of launching my own arts ensemble, um, primarily as a way to kind of fund and be a vehicle for the projects that I care about. But, you know, like foundationally working from the premise of, you know, I want to see gender parity in my mm. casting, gender parity in in the shows, the things, yes. the projects I choose to do, um, racial equity amidst any artists that I hire and choose to collaborate with. Um, you know, and also I'm working with uh, another friend and we're both genderqueer um, and queer uh, sexually as well. And it's like we are really both really tired of having to show up into traditional opera spaces and essentially you know code switch and change our identity mm. to be very heteronormative in order to please donors um and so we're like what why don't we just create a space for all of the envies and trans and people of color and black singers especially to like come and just be able to be themselves and be able like yes. be accepted for that authenticity and celebrated for it that's really amazing like beautiful things that can arise out of a crazy world situation right yeah i mean and i won't lie it's been painful sure <laughs> yeah yes i can imagine <laughs> yeah um like even today i was like things things are moving forward really well and like halfway through the afternoon i was like oh my god what am i doing i am insane like this isn't gonna work i'm like biting off more than i could chew like started to have a mini panic attack and i was like it's fine you can do it, Marcel. <laughs> Check things off the to-do list. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah. I'm excited to see how that unfolds and everything. That's really exciting. Yeah, thanks. And it's exciting to see people discovering their why. Yes, and like yes. why they're doing what they're doing. Because that can shift the, the how each day mm -hmm. like this is what I woke up and this is what I'm you know once you start to hone in on your why that's like such a I don't know for those of us who are still kind of searching for that and nailing it down and trying to hone in on that when you see someone else doing it it's like it's just Inspiring. exciting and yeah it's well it's that intentionality again mm -hmm. you know um I think it's really easy and certainly this was my experience too I mean when I when I was singing as a kid and realized that singing had a really powerful impact on the people around me and I I 
thought that was so fascinating. And, and I think even as a, as a child, I recognized that as a vehicle to connect to the world in a, in a way that I couldn't otherwise. Um, you know, but then you go to school and you're learning languages and your technique mm-hmm. and everyone's got mm-hmm. a thousand criticisms for you. And it's re- it's just so easy to, to kind of lose lose sight of that a little bit. Um, more than a little bit. I mean, I think, I think it took me a good probably six or seven years after getting out of school to really feel like I could go back to like five-year-old me who realized that she loved to sing and that singing could be really powerful Mm. Um, and like let her voice come out more than anxious perfectionist me. I'm working on that too. I'm I'm not there yet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So one thing that we... um, ask everyone who comes onto our podcast is talking about how everything that we experience in the opera world um, is telling us that we're never good enough, which you were just kind of talking about. And someone is always telling us how we don't measure up and we have to change. And we wanted to hear from both of you guys um, about experiences you've had in dealing with perfectionism and with overcoming this pressure to be your best self or how did you deal with that pressure? Pressure. I um, was doing pretty well um, in 2017, you know, 18, 19. Um, you know, growing, um, singing with new companies, singing with higher level companies, um, getting paid better wages um, and all that. And But it still wasn't really taking me again, like over that hump, mm-hmm. which like, is another I think myth yeah. like that you're yeah. gonna like get like just the next thing is gonna get easier you know and it's like it doesn't really get easier it just constantly changes and if you're constantly waiting for that to occur then you're kind of like not doing yourself any favors mm. so I think I in the beginning of the pandemic even was like oh this will be like the hump that nobody else will make but I'll fucking make it <laughs> <laughs> and then and then I was like "Mm." and it just like took me down a whole spin from from the high to the low and realizing and I think maybe this being like I've heard it been called the great reset and I think that's a great name for it Hmm. um so yeah (laughs) a lot of things resetting politically professionally obviously companies and Personally, I think a lot of resetting going on, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, pedagogically, like, I had a lot of different people, like, I think trying to put me in one certain um, fach, like, one certain area. And, like, the older I got, the the less that fach kind of made sense. But mm. we were still pushing it. And um, I had a lot of different opinions. And I think when you are kind of like a – lyric soprano that can sing high like but you're small but you're like voices color like it's just like you know i think i can just do everything do it (laughs) yes yes ma'am there's no gatekeeper here do it all (laughs) yeah it's fun Awesome. Yeah. Marcel, would you like to tell us a little bit about your your thing that everyone tells you that you're not good enough and how, to, how have you worked to overcome that? Right. 
the thing that was holding me back was my perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, uh, that really only started coming to the surface for me, like one, as my technique kind of finally ironed itself out, but also like as I started to delve more into new music. Um, you know, the contemporary opera and new music scene is very different, um, especially when you're doing like kind of avant-garde out there, like weird stuff. Um you know, and so like these are new compositions that the composer is just as unsure about the notes on the page, whether they're the right ones as right. the singer is learning them. Um, and so like what I've learned through doing a bunch of new music is just that like in that specific environment, it's what's important is it like it's three levels, right? Like the intentionality of the story is a, is really important. Um, but musically, the gesture and the rhythm trump. So the gesture of the phrase, the rhythm of the phrase, so the ensemble can stay together. And then, mm-hmm. you know, a wrong note here or there is not the end of the world, um, which is a totally different approach when you're working in, you know, the classics, which right. we so often, we, I mean, and we have these great recordings of them. So we hold yeah. ourselves up to the, this also an impossible recording studio standard, which is yes. everything's edited and pieced together. So there's no mistakes, um, you know, but that kind of preservationist attitude also leads us to believe that, you know, we we have this really, this tightrope we have to walk when we sing that rep, um, you know, and so working in new music, I, I felt like such an imposter, the first piece, <laughs> like newly composed piece I did, yeah. and the conductor, who's now a really good friend of mine, he was just like, I see you stressing out about this. And he's like, I'm just going to tell you, like, no one's going to know or care if you sing a wrong note. Like, as like you're an amazing actress. As long as the gesture is there, the rhythm is right so the ensemble can stay together. Like, if you sing a wrong note, like, just don't sweat it. No one's heard this before. No one knows. Um, you know, and just get up on stage and tell a story. Ah, perfectionism. It's the worst. I mean, it's a control mechanism for anxiety, right? Mm. When we feel nervous, you know, the, the MO for some of us is to try to control whatever we can. And that's what perfectionism, it's, it's, it's perfectionism is feeding off of that little inner voice that we all have to weed hmm. out who like, is like, oh, are you really sure you could do this? Wow. You know? I never really thought of it that way, actually. That's really helpful. As a perfectionist and anxiety-ridden soprano. Right, right. The day my therapist said that to me, I was like, wow. I've been sabotaging myself this whole time. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So you guys, do you have any books that you would recommend? I feel like I know what Marcel's going to say. What is she going to (laughs) say? What what am I going to say? Are you going to say Glennon Doyle? Oh, yeah. First book on the list. (laughs) We love Glennon Doyle. Untamed. Um, Untamed. Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Glennon, yeah. Oh, Glennon Doyle. I actually read her first one, too, and it's very good. Yeah, yeah. So what's this Untamed book? Tell us just a minute about a a brief synopsis. Um, Kind of the mantra of the book is that we are all goddamn cheetahs, (laughs) and we belong wild, not in cages. And so it's a book about like getting in touch with your inner truth, like who you are and being unapologetic about it. Mm. Even when you're anxious, even when you're afraid, 
when things are shitty, when things are good. Like, who are you? Be true to that. The only person you ever have to worry about disappointing is yourself. Mm. That's it. Yeah, it's a very good book. Definitely read it. Okay. I love that. That's I'm going to read that. That sounds yeah, amazing. Yeah, she's super inspiring. Um, the one that I was going to recommend um, is actually um, the it's an Elon Musk. It's a book about Elon Musk. Oh, mm. cool. It's actually very good. Elon okay. Musk and the quest for like a fantastic future or something. Okay. It was interesting, but it was also, I feel like, um, I learned like what matters when you're running That's literally so like these huge companies that <laughs> mean so much like more than my little company over right. here you know <laughs> and i was like damn that's how you run a big company <laughs> <laughs> your little company is important it is yeah really good it's a really good book okay, okay. i love them it's great <laughs> thank you thank you both for joining us today Thank you for yes, having us. Thank you for having us. You've acquired so, so much experience and talked to so many people, and we're so grateful that you would come and talk with us. Yeah, thank yeah. you. No, thank you. Love it. We love to share share the love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No monopolies on knowledge anymore. Yes. Let's, let's get rid of that. No more. Give it away. Yes. So I mean, our... get paid what you're worth, but like. Yes. Amen. <laughs> the common sense stuff doesn't need to have a monopoly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so to our listeners out there, every singer faces something unique and challenging, but you are up for the challenge. You are powerful and you are perfectly made. So you deserve to be heard and you bring value to our opera world. Exactly. So stop waiting in the wings. Go out and take the stage. In, in Boca Lupo. Thank you for listening to another episode of Take the Stage Opera Podcast. We love hearing from you, so please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and give us a review. It helps us to continue delivering quality material. 